0: welcome to our podcast microbes in us brought to you by the federation of european microbiological societies i am joseph
1: and i am eleni and
0: And we we are the hosts of microbes in us. us
1: This podcast brings together the people that work tirelessly to uncover and understand the microbial world, its secrets, its complexity, and its
2: vibrancy.
0: And it will show us how microbes can shape, break, and make our human world.
2: From prehistoric times,
0: all the way to the modern world around us.
2: We hope you
1: enjoy and share this podcast.
0: Welcome to this episode of the podcast. I have two guests joining me today. Bob Metcalf, who's Professor Emeritus at California State University in Sacramento. And I have Dina Chienjo, who is the Director of Friends of the Old and has worked with Bob to use the Portable Microbiology Laboratory, which we at FEMS have featured in videos and which has been used in many places around the world to test drinking water for its safety. So I've got both these guests here today to talk to me about where the Portable Microbiology Laboratory came from and how it's used. And I just wanted to start by asking, can each of you give yourselves a little introduction about yourself and your background just for the benefit of our audience?
1: I'm Bob Metcalf and I was uh, born and grew up in Chicago. And in college then I majored in biology and discovered what a wonderful world microbiology is. So I then went to graduate school in bacteriology at the University of Wisconsin. And after that, I got a teaching job mainly at uh, California State University, Sacramento, where I taught microbiology courses, general micro, food microbiology, diversity of microorganisms, taught it for 42 years. But the reason we're having this podcast now is that in 1978, I bought a solar box cooker from two women in Arizona that had developed a practical solar cooker, Barbara Kerr and Sherry Cole. And it was a big box within a box. I bought one and started using it. And oh my goodness, here in California, we have weather that's different than much of the United States. We have a Mediterranean climate. And so that when mid-May comes, We'll get sunshine 19 out of 20 days through, you know, into October or so. So one can do serious solar cooking all the time. And I've cooked about 6,000 solar meals since 1978 in about 20 different countries. And that's what got me then to go to various countries to show people how to make and use first the solar box cooker. And uh, when I had my first project in Bolivia in 1978, I was so frustrated I couldn't do microbiology. And then also in Guatemala, I was frustrated I couldn't do microbiology, and I wanted to do that. But then when I had a uh, project with the UN Food and Agriculture Organization in Djibouti in East Africa, got a lot of sunshine but not much else. There, a new product came out. That was the Coli Alert test, which had come out then, and I could actually do microbiology. And then several years later, when I was in the Dadaab refugee camp in Kenya, eastern Kenya, working with Somali refugees and showing them the simple solar cooker, which was easy to use then, uh, that's when the Petri film had come out. And then I had two types of microbiology tests that I could use at the community level, use it for my my own information, and then share it with others. And that eventually then developed into, really in 2000, when I was in Tanzania, uh, developing the Portable Microbiology Laboratory. And eventually, in 2003, that took me to Nakach, Kenya, where uh, Dina Chenjo had a solar cooker project. And I was there as a volunteer to introduce water testing and water pasteurization. And that's how I got to meet Dina and uh, got to so many places in the world where microbiology is sorely needed. And with the PML, the portable microbiology laboratory, anyone can
0: be a water microbiologist. Dina, do you mind giving me a little bit of your background? Obviously, you met Bob at some point, but what's been your background so far?
2: My name is Dina Chienjo. I am a graduate teacher. I graduated in 1984 as a teacher of history and physical education. And I taught for 13 years. I taught in high schools and I also taught in teacher training colleges. And then eventually I left teaching. I joined um, an insurance company where I worked as a salesperson for three years. And then I also left that after three years. To join Solar Cookers International. That was in 2003. At that time, Solar Cookers International was opening a project in Lower Nyakach, in, in the hall of Nyakach, and so um, they hired me as a project officer. Solar Cooking at the time was promoting solar cooking and water pasteurization in Nyakach. And I saw it as a great opportunity because solar cooking was a new thing to us and I was very interested in knowing it. And I also wanted to work with my people in Yakut and help promote solar cooking. There was great need for firewood. People were looking for firewood from very far and I thought this was a good way of solving the firewood problem. And there was also need for safe drinking water because people were drinking water that was very contaminated. We could introduce solar water pasteurization. People could pasteurize their drinking water and kill the germs uh, so that they could drink safe water. And so all this uh, made me very interested in the solar cooking project. And so I left my job with the insurance and decided to uh, work with Solar Cookers International. And so it was here in 2003 that I met Professor Metcalf. And uh, we started working together with the solar cookers project that was Senior Catch. After um, several years, that was in 2008, I left SolarCooker's project because the project was closing down. And so that is when we started the photo project, the Friends of the Old project. The project was started because there was still great need to pasteurize water because there was a lot of waterborne diseases there in the area, near Kaj. And children were dying from waterborne diseases. People were dying and people were suffering from waterborne diseases. And uh, we thought that since Solar cookers project was already closed, we could not leave it at that. We could go on with it and see what we can continue doing. We started small and moved on and Professor agreed to fund us, to give us a little funding so that we could go on with the project. And this moved on for some time. And then eventually now he became our main funder and he has funded us up to date. Uh, what uh, we do is we teach people to trace the water and to treat the water so that they drink um, safe water and prevent uh, waterborne diseases so that is uh, how I've gotten to where I am right now
0: Amazing Bob you mentioned that the cholera tube and the petrifilm test were developed one after the other but then what was it that inspired you to take these things and put them all together into a single packaged, it's sort of an affordable kind of laboratory that could be used by individuals like Dina and other people in the world.
1: Okay, well, just a little bit of background that probably many of the microbiologists know, but nobody in the world knew that microbes cause disease before Robert Koch mm. in 1876 developed the methods to isolate bacteria and to go through Koch's postulates. And then using Koch's methods in the 1880s it was discovered that several waterborne diseases were caused by bacteria. Typhoid, cholera, shigella, dysentery. Oh my goodness, they were caused by waterborne diseases. The oral fecal route. Out in feces, they, people drink it, they get the bacteria, and it causes the, the symptoms over again. Right around that time, it was, well, how do we test water? We can't test water for cholera and shigella and uh, Typhoid then, and there are probably other microbes that cause disease. So is there a indicator of recent fecal contamination that we could look for? And the job description for this indicator would be that everybody in the world has to have it in large numbers in their system, which means quite often it might not be a pathogen, okay? But this organism then doesn't grow in the environment and once it leaves the body and enters water, it slowly dies off, but not as quickly as the bacterial pathogens. And then we could easily detect it. And really, starting over 100 years ago, then Escherichia e. coli fit that job description, the best indicator of recent fecal contamination. Then we're looking for E. coli. But oh my goodness, was it hard to do E. coli. When I first started teaching in the 1970s and 80s then, we had to do these horrible tests that really weren't for E. coli, that were for the general coliform group of bacteria, gram-negative rods that ferment lactose. And there was a lactose-based test for thermotolerant coliforms, but that wasn't exclusive to E. coli. And most often it was a five tube MPN procedure. And only microbiologists that say are 60 years old and over will remember those horrible days when we had to do that. Well, that was what I was facing when I first went to uh, Bolivia and Guatemala, that all that was there. I'd have to bring things back to my laboratory. But then what really transformed water testing was the development of this test, which is called Coli Lert, and it was developed by uh, Steven Edberg, who was a clinical microbiologist at Yale University. He was clever enough to realize that E. coli is able to grow in media then that have inorganic nitrogen, sulfur, and phosphorus if you give it sugar. It can make all its amino acids, purines, pyrimidines, and vitamins, and then he put in two food sources that E. coli could use. And one was a substance, it's O-N-P-G, which has a bond between the G, which is the sugar, and O-N-P, which is similar to the bond between glucose and galactose in lactose. And so bacteria that can ferment lactose and have the beta-galactosidase, they can split off the G and the color will change yellow then. But we're really looking for E. coli. And in the 1980s, it had been discovered that E. coli has an enzyme that the other coliforms, which are grow out in the environment, then and aren't indicators of fecal pollution, that they don't have. So here they put in a substrate for a chromogen for this beta-glucuronidase that E. coli has, and the substrate is abbreviated MUG. G is the sugar. E. coli has that enzyme, the beta-glucuronidase, that will split off the G and use it for energy that then it can make all its uh, nutrients then to grow. And so this coli-lert test that was put together, initially, it was a 10 mil test. And there's a tube, which is about one by 10 centimeters tall, that has this white powder of the nutrients in it. And uh, what you do is you just inoculate this and then you incubate it at body temperature. Well, okay, it's a small enough tube, and I will then, you know, put it into a sack like this. I'll put it on my body, and because you got to let the bacteria grow. And in this, the the growth is a little bit slow in Coli Alert. It's doubling time is about 35 minutes instead of 20 minutes, as you'd have in, in nutrient broth or something. And it takes about 10 to the 7th E. coli to have enough changes in the uh, ONPG and mug to get a reaction. So that's about 23 doublings. And you want the bacteria to grow quickly, so you put it on your body. Fortunately, if you're alive, you got a body, you put it on this. I put it on my body and I'll sleep on it at night, and I get the results the next day.
0: So you and can be then, an incubator, essentially.
1: Yes, you're a walking yeah. incubator that requires no electricity, okay? <laughs> which is really important. In the mid-90s, the food industry then also developed what are referred to as the Petri films. And any uh, microbiologist probably has worked with Petri dishes all the time, but there are some brilliant people at the 3M company that looking for food microbiologists. In foods, you take a food and you blend 25 grams with 225 mils of sterile water. And then you're always doing a minus one dilution. You're always plating one mil. And so instead of putting it into a Petri dish and pouring in melted and cooled agar, they came up with this Petri film. And it looks like kind of an index card, which has a clear film over it. And it has a circle of nutrients, five centimeters in diameter, that E. coli can use. And there's a specific substrate in there that E. coli, it's beta-glucuronidase, will attack. And uh, it's abbreviated BCIG. So you add one mil to this, and then you, I put it between uh, a couple of pieces of cardboard like this. I'll incubate it in the small of my back, I'll sleep on it at night, and then overnight, those invisible cells actually develop into colonies. Mm. And if it's E. coli, because of the glucuronidase indicator in there, it'll be a blue colony. And there's also a gas bubble because it ferments lactose. So, oh my goodness. Now we had a 10 mil test and a 1 mil Mm. test. And the reason those two tests are important is that the WHO came out and what level of uh, E. coli in water presents what type of disease risk? And if you have no E. coli in 10 mils, that's a low disease risk. Medicine Sans Frontiere says you don't have to treat the water. So that 10 mil test is really important. And then a high disease risk is 1 to 10 E. coli per mil. And a very high disease risk is more than 10 per mil. So, oh my gosh, we had the 10 mil test, we had the one mil test, and then you can put those together and also teach people how to do it. And I put everything together then in this uh, portable microbiology laboratory, which I sent you then in 2021. Yeah.
0: I mean, I'm afraid the test is in our office, but I have the box here actually that you sent to me. Yeah, and we've been using it to test some of the waters here in the Netherlands. And I just wanted to ask Dina, you've been doing these tests where you are in Kenya. And I yes. just wanted to ask you, what's the impact been of having such a easily usable and cheap test available?
2: Yes, the impact has been great. What we do, uh, I'll just go back a little. What we do is we have women in the villages who do the teaching. We make sure that each one of them, every month, they do two teachings in the village, they're actually called locations. So in every location, we have two women who teach uh, the community how to treat water, how to test the water and treat it, and to ensure that they always have safe drinking water in their pots. And so what happens is that they sample the water either from ponds or rivers or wells, depending on the source that that particular village is using. So they sample the water in the presence of the villagers, a few mm-hmm. representatives, so that you know they know that this is what is going on. You don't just appear with the results and say, this is your water. They have to see that the water was sampled and yeah. yeah. they have to record it, so that when you bring back the result, they know that this is actually the water that was taken from us. And then they inoculate the sample and then they incubate it overnight, and by morning, we have the results. Most of the time, the water is actually contaminated because it has a lot of blue colonies in the film. And so we show them the results of the water that we sampled, and they can see how contaminated their water is. And they can see, and we explain to them that the blue colonies, that is E. coli, that is what causes disease. So we make them see that when they drink contaminated water, they get sick. And the solution is for them to prevent getting sick. And by doing that, they have to treat that water so that they don't drink it. And we use Aquagard, which our professor is holding here. A green-based solution. And so we distribute Aquagard to all the households in Loanyakach every month so that everybody is able to treat their water and that way everybody drinks safe water. And by doing this, we've been able to reduce to almost 95% waterborne diseases.
0: It sounds like a big part of the way that you're doing this is to try and build trust then with the people in the in the communities to kind of show them the process of the testing and not kind of have it in some black box, but you know, yes. build a connection between the real water that they're using and the tests and the results in a really kind of close up and trusting way.
2: Yes, that is true because we realize that they have to take charge of their lives. They have to be the ones bring the change that they need in their lives. So they take responsibility. They know what uh, contaminated water will cause in their lives. And so they have to treat it themselves. So we teach them how to do that. And as we're speaking now, Almost all households are treating drinking water. We just have a few who have um, issues with uh, treated water. So they boil their water, but still they drink water, which is safe. And this way in our dispensary and clinics, we have very, very few cases of waterborne diseases, of diarrhea. Even in schools, children are able to go to school without complaining of diarrhea because we also teach water testing in schools and how to treat water and we give them AquaGuard to treat water for school children in every school. And uh, and even in households, there, there are very few cases of children having diarrhea. And so people are happy with this and they have taken responsibility for themselves. They don't drink untreated water because they know mm. what this uh, does to them. Previously, we used to have a lot of cholera in nyakach, but that is no longer the case. Right now we have cholera in many parts of Kenya, but not in Luanyakarche because people drink treated water. And so we are happy with that. And we are continuing that because it is a major uh, development. We, We would be happy if this is replicated in other parts, because if people can take charge of their lives, the government should be doing this, but they're not doing it. And we are doing it. And we want people to know that they can do it themselves if they treat water by themselves, because if you wait for somebody to do it, they'll not do it for you. They have to take charge of their own lives and they're doing that. And we're happy with that.
0: Are all the tests assembled, Bob? in California and sent out to Kenya, or have you managed to find, you know, ways to get these tests to where they need to be without such a long supply chain?
1: Well, when uh, my wife and I uh, were visiting the photo project from 2011 through 2019, before COVID, we had already, would bring over a suitcase with (laughs) 600 beds and world packs like that. And uh, after COVID came, then what I do is I mail these, uh, send them U.S. Uh, postal Service, and it mm-hmm. takes several weeks to get there, but I can mm-hmm. supply a uh, photo then through the mail, and I'll send, I don't put the PMLs together, then I send the individual things, the boxes, mm-hmm. call alert, and the, the packages of Petri films. Then, And I need to check with Dina again and to see what's your inventory and what I need to mm-hmm. send her <laughs> again, because they do these uh, in 13 locations. They do tests every month. And so they're doing 26 tests and eventually are going to need to get supplied. And uh, that's what I do. Yes. And that's what I, IWHA,
0: my a nonprofit profit organization, that, that's a, that funds that. And so Dina, how is the inventory at the moment in Kenya?
2: At the moment, we still have supplies that can last us another two months. Uh, maybe within next month, we will be sending out an inventory and, 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 and asking for more supplies. We always make sure that we have supplies because we teach people every month and people are always waiting for the education Mm -hmm. because they have so many questions and and they also want to give their comments on what's happening in their houses. And so we we, we make sure that we have those forums with them in all the locations every month.
0: So you said earlier, I think, I can't remember what statistic you said, but how often do people find contaminated water with these tests when they're testing? It was quite a high percentage, I think.
2: Yeah, it's very high. Almost all the waters here are contaminated Mm -hmm. because a lot of people use water from ponds, and shallow wells, and uh, rivers. These are the major sources of water. You know, these waters, they have surface flow which contaminates the water. And sometimes, again, in in the rivers and even ponds, they're also shared with livestock. Cows Mm -hmm. drink from there, and there are a lot of droppings from from different things, And, and even rainwater. People who have tank water, you know, it also is very contaminated because of dust from the the, the roofs and bugs also patch on the roofs. And so the water is all the time contaminated. And so it has to be treated all the time. Sometimes even the water from taps, you know, people who have tap waters, that is also contaminated because the the taps are old and rusted. And sometimes maybe it was not well treated from the source. So still even some taps, we get contaminated water. And so, We have to sample and test all sources of water. We don't take chances so that we are able to advise the people to treat their water so that they can avoid the waterborne diseases.
0: We here in Delft, obviously, we were sent a test by Bob and then we went and we, we decided to use it with the tap water in our office and then the water in the canals near our office. The results we found were, well, both the tubes were yellow. I mean, maybe we were a little bit contaminating our tap water with a dirty cup or something. Then with our petrofilms, we had luckily nothing blue, no blue colonies from the tap water, but we did find about two or three, I think about three once we left it to incubate in the canal water. So would you say this water is a risk if we were to drink this?
1: Yes, it's a, a risk for uh, drinking because you have one to 10. What that indicates, E. coli is, is an indicator of recent fecal contamination. And most E. coli are friendly, okay? And when you defecate, maybe 10 million per gram of feces will go out, but there are a few strains of E. coli that cause disease. But the reason it's an indicator is that all of us, even though we're not sick, we have this, the friendly bacteria that Mm -hmm. take a residence in our large intestine and uh, then go out with the feces then. Well, and I'll just show you, okay, to show you here that you can see and that Sacramento tap water that I tried yesterday, that's clear. And I think you would uh, be a little bit more careful that the delft water would have been, uh, tap water would have uh, also been clear. And the other thing is that, you know, to see that you and Elena did uh, the testing then and, uh, you know, kind of work on the techniques. This was the first time that you were doing it. But Mm. with microbiologists, techniques are very important. So make sure that you're not contaminating when you, Take off the cap and you add things to, and, and make sure you do the Petri film well. And, and very soon people will get expert at it. I'm so proud of the uh, 26 water microbiologist women that are in Lower <laughs> Nakach that are bringing evidence based <laughs> microbiology to the communities there that the WHO in Geneva won't be able to do, the CDC. In Atlanta, Georgia, won't be able to do. UNICEF won't be able to do. They do 100 mil tests, which is just absurd, when Mm. all you need is a 1 mil test to find things. And so what we're doing there is that this photo project is an example of what could be done in other parts of the world. And quite often, people in water, they're engineers, and they think, oh, it's gotta be an engineering solution. No, it's a microbiology solution. And the people that are already there in the communities with a few testing lessons can learn how to perform and interpret these tests. There's a lot of talk about decolonization, about having, and particularly among students that are in public health things. And often it's thought that, oh no, it has to be outside coming in to do an engineering project or it has to be vaccines cholera vaccines that you know there's a shortage of cholera of vaccines well kill them with chlorine mm. how did we get rid of waterborne disease in uh, in Europe in the United States by chlorinating the water so bring the chlorine then get the chlorine to the communities, have them treat the water, have the before and after microbiology with a Coli Alert and Petri film, and you will convince people to do things. And because of the success that the photo project has, the photo project was awarded by IDEX, the company that makes Coli Alert, the Water Humanitarian Award in 2020. And just last October, on Heroes Day in Kenya, October 20th, Dina Chenjo was selected as the hero to receive the highest award, civilian award that you can get in Kenya because of her leadership with the photo project. So what we want (laughs) is that all the microbiologists that are listening to this, like to help them learn about water testing, and have an obligation to make this worldwide. And what fun it is to bring microbiology places. You Mm. can actually do it now with Zooms and show people that have zero background in science and microbiology that in a couple of days then, they could understand why they're doing these tests, how to do the tests, how to interpret that, and how proud they will be that they
0: are water
1: microbiologists.
0: Dino, I mean, congratulations on your award. That seems very Thank well. You. Done. Thank um, you very
2: much.
0: And it seemed that you have, you know, 26 people now trained, um, yes. which is a lot of people to manage. So well done there. And, um, do you have plans to train more people? I mean, is this team growing or is this enough for you to have to deal with at the moment?
2: At the moment, we don't have any plans to grow the people because we have 13 locations in mm-hmm. Lower Catch where we work and in every location we have two people. And so far, the two people are managing very well. The advantage that we have is that these people are people who work in their villages where they live. Now that means that the community know them very well and can relate with them very well. We are also very careful to pick people who the community can trust. And so when they go out to teach, the community has no problem with them. We listen to them and because they teach in mother tongue, You know, when uh, we started learning uh, water testing, it was, we thought it was very difficult and we were wondering whether we will ever really get to understand it. But uh, professor taught it to us and we caught it. And now we are able to teach it in our own language. We teach it in mother tongue and people are able to understand it and to relate with it and that has made it easy for us because when they understand it they own it Mm. and they're able to understand how the bacteria grows and causes disease and they're able to understand how they can prevent that and so they become competent even in you know in water treatment You you show them how to treat water and they're very competent, they do that very well. Where they have problems, where they have issues, they're able to ask our staff in in the field and they explain this, and so we don't have any problems. So far, the staff that we have in the field is enough for us, and uh, maybe later, when we expand the project, then we will be able to bring in more field staff. But at the moment, we are working well and and we have just enough staff for, for what we're doing. We are happy that people understand how bacteria grows, and that is the important hmm. thing. They take charge of their lives, they do what they're supposed to do to make sure that they're healthy. And that is the important thing. And we are looking forward to continuing this way so that people will teach it even to their children and grandchildren and everybody will we'll just continue knowing that water has to be treated.
0: It sounds like an amazing project and I've been so happy to have you both here today to talk me through its history, you know, its present and potentially its future. And I just wanted to wrap up by Yeah, thanking both of you for all your hard work and enthusiasm in getting this, you know, wonderful portable microbiology laboratory started and distributed and decentralized and, you know, placed in a kind of community model which seems to work really well. I just wanted to give each of you just, you know, a closing statement to wrap up this episode of the podcast, but yeah, I just want to thank you both so much for your time today. Bob, how about we start with you and then we'll close with Dina.
1: Well, thank you for having us on this program. And uh, I really encourage microbiologists that listen to this, let's help out. And I think, you know, one of the disappointing things is that Kenya constitution says that all Kenyans have the right to safe water, but they could care less about that. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons I think that they're not interested in having the PMLs is because people could do the tests. They find their waters contaminated and then they go to the politicians, you have to do something, and the government is not interested in spending money to do that. But microbiologists can solve the problem. Let's hope that some FEMS people will get hold of me and and I will be glad to send them information about it or Zoom with them as I have uh, with you. Thank you very much, Joseph, for that uh, wonderful introduction to opening the box and then also (laughs) using the... uh, the PML, to show that uh, how easy it is to do that.
0: Adina, any last words from you?
2: First of all, I want to say that um, we're happy that this is happening in Luanyakaču. We realize that the important thing is education. People have to understand the importance of, in this case, treating drinking water. When uh, somebody understands something, they'll own it and they'll, they'll work towards it to make the change that is necessary. Right now, there are so many people worldwide who are dying from waterborne diseases. And what they need is the water literacy. They need to know what happens and how they can help themselves. And uh, we know that everything needs funding because like where we are in Lonyakat, and many parts of the world, funds are, are very low. And a lot of people die because there's, there's no support from anywhere. And so if the World Health Organization, the UNICEF and other bodies could come out to help out these communities, I'm sure many lives would be saved. We are so glad that in Lonyakach we have had a lot of support from IWHA and, and uh, Professor Metcalf and, and Dr. Mary Beth Metcalf. We are very happy and very lucky to have had that support. And um, I just want to ask that other organizations, other big organizations, should also come out to give the support that is needed so people's lives can be saved and people will not die deaths, which could actually be prevented by putting in a little money and giving the people the education that they need to have. So so that their lives can be improved and they can live healthier lives.
0: Thank you very much. At FEMS, we've made a couple of YouTube videos on our YouTube channel where I open up the Portable Microbiology Laboratory, and then there's a second video where we go out, we test some of the water, and then there's a third video coming out soon where we analyze the results. So if you want to learn more about the project, you can go there. Feel free to reach out to me or Bob if you need any more information about this project. And um, yeah, we hope that many of the people listening are excited and interested in this project and can help it expand and grow around the world. So thanks again to both my guests for joining me. It's been an absolute pleasure.